Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you, and enjoy. It's a pleasure to welcome you to this two-part podcast on advances in the management of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. This is part one. My name is Ty Gluckman. I am a clinical cardiologist and medical director of the Center for Cardiovascular Analytics, Research and Data Science at the Providence Heart Institute in Portland, Oregon. By the end of this podcast, you should be able to employ the latest guideline-based medical management of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. Of note, a downloadable resource will be available if you are listening from primed.com. So to get us started, why focus on heart failure? Current estimates suggest that approximately 6.5 million Americans have heart failure, and it is expected that this number is only likely to rise. In addition, heart failure is one of the more common causes of hospitalization, accounting for approximately 900,000 hospital discharges each year. Sadly, about 50% of patients with heart failure die within five years of their diagnosis. And finally, care for patients with heart failure is extremely costly with an annual spend that exceeds 30 billion. As many of you know, heart failure is a clinical syndrome resulting from impairment of the left ventricle's ability to fill or eject blood. It is traditionally categorized three different ways, by stage, New York Heart Association class, and type. Four stages of heart failure exist, including stage A, which consists of those at high risk for heart failure, but without structural heart disease or symptoms of heart failure, Stage B, which consists of those with structural heart disease, but without signs or symptoms of heart failure. Stage C, which consists of those with structural heart disease with prior or current symptoms of heart failure. And stage D, which consists of those with refractory heart failure requiring specialized interventions. In addition, four New York Heart Association classes exist. This includes those that are class one with no limitation of physical activity, class two with slight limitation of physical activity, class three with marked limitation of physical activity, and class four with an inability to carry out any physical activity without symptoms of heart failure or symptoms at rest. Finally, heart failure is also classified by the left ventricular ejection fraction. Most patients with heart failure either have heart failure with reduced ejection fraction or HEF-REF, defined by a left ventricular ejection fraction less than or equal to 40%, or heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, or HEF-PEF, defined by a left ventricular ejection fraction greater than or equal to 50%. During the remainder of this podcast, we will be focusing on patients with stage C HEF-REF. A common underpinning of HEF-REF is activation of the sympathetic nervous system, the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, and the natriuretic peptide system. While activation of the sympathetic and renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system results in increased sodium and water reabsorption, increased blood pressure, vasoconstriction, decreased cardiac output, 
and cardiovascular remodeling with fibrosis, the natriuretic peptide system inhibits it. Even though a major focus of our discussion today will be on pharmacotherapies, dietary modification is an important adjunct in this population. Traditionally, patients with HEFREF have been instructed to reduce their sodium intake. More recent data, however, has called this into question. In the HEART trial, 833 patients with New York Heart Association Class 2 and 3 heart failure were propensity matched comparing those with a sodium intake less than 2,500 milligrams per day to greater than or equal to 2,500 milligrams per day. Over a median of 36 months, those receiving less than 2,500 milligrams per day of sodium were noted to have a significantly higher risk of death or heart failure hospitalization, calling into question this approach. Importantly, the 2013 American College of Cardiology, American Heart Association Heart Failure Guidelines, and the 2017 Heart Failure Guidelines Update provide the foundation for current recommendations related to pharmacologic therapy in HEFREF. For all patients with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction of any New York Heart Association class, the combined use of an ACE inhibitor or angiotensin receptor blocker and an evidence-based beta blocker is recommended. In addition, for all patients with volume overload and New York Heart Association class 2 to 4 symptoms, a loop diuretic such as furosemide is recommended. For persistently symptomatic African Americans with New York Heart Association class 3 or 4 symptoms, combined treatment with hydralazine and a nitrate is recommended. For individuals with New York Heart Association class 2 to 4 symptoms, a creatinine clearance greater than 30 mils per minute and a potassium level less than 5 mL equivalents per liter, an aldosterone antagonist is recommended. Finally, the 2017 Heart Failure Guideline Update was the first guideline to document the important recommendations related to the use of Secubitrol Valsartan as well as Ivabradine. We will be discussing both of these medications a bit later in the podcast. Data supporting the use of an ACE inhibitor in patients with HEFREF extends back decades. In a meta-analysis of 32 trials that randomized patients with symptomatic heart failure to an ACE inhibitor or placebo, treatment with an ACE inhibitor was associated with a highly significant 23% relative risk reduction in all-cause mortality, a 35% relative risk reduction in death or hospitalization, and a 31% relative risk reduction in heart failure hospitalization. For patients unable to tolerate an ACE inhibitor, strong support exists for the use of an angiotensin receptor blocker, or ARB. As just one example, 2,028 patients with symptomatic heart failure and a left ventricular ejection fraction less than 40% were randomized to candesartan or placebo for a median of 34 months in the CHARM alternative trial. In this study, treatment with candesartan was associated with a highly significant 23% relative risk reduction in the rate of cardiovascular death or heart failure hospitalization. Based on these and other studies, all patients with left ventricular systolic dysfunction, symptomatic or asymptomatic, should be prescribed an ACE inhibitor or ARB. Contraindications to these therapies include angioedema, hyperkalemia, and pregnancy. Importantly, these medications should be titrated to target doses that were previously shown to be effective. Target doses are included in the downloadable resource guide. 
Patients on an ACE inhibitor or ARB should have monitoring of their serum potassium level and renal function with a basic chemistry panel checked one to two weeks after the first dose. Consideration can be given to the combination of an ACE inhibitor and ARB only in those patients that are not candidates for an aldosterone antagonist. Support for a beta blocker in HFREF comes from a number of trials dating back 15 plus years, including the US Carvedilol study with Carvedilol, the Merit HF trial with metoprolol succinate, the Cebus 2 trial with bisoprolol, and the Copernicus trial with Carvedilol. Based on these studies, all patients with left ventricular systolic dysfunction should be prescribed a beta blocker. Contraindications include cardiogenic shock, second or third degree heart block, and severe reactive airway disease. Importantly, only one of the three evidence-based beta blockers, bisoprolol, carvedilol, or metoprolol succinate should be used. These medications should be titrated to target doses that were previously shown to be effective. For these patients, close monitoring of heart rate and blood pressure is warranted. Most commonly, this is done by starting at the lowest dose with up titration every two weeks to the maximally tolerated dose. Target doses are included in the downloadable resource guide. For patients being treated with an ACE inhibitor or ARB along with a beta blocker, dose matters. As was shown in the ATLAS study, patients titrated to high dose lisinopril experienced a lower rate of death and death or hospitalization compared to those receiving low dose lisinopril. Similarly, patients titrated to the maximum dose of carvedilol in the MOCA trial experienced a significant reduction in mortality compared to those receiving lower doses of carvedilol or placebo. Evidence supporting the use of an aldosterone inhibitor in HFREF comes from three key trials. In the RAILS trial, patients with severe HFREF randomized to spironolactone were noted to have a significant 30% relative risk reduction in mortality compared to placebo. In the Ephesus trial, patients with HFREF after a myocardial infarction randomized to a player known were noted to have a significant 15% relative risk reduction in mortality compared to placebo. Finally, in the Emphasis HF trial, patients with mild HFREF randomized to a player known were noted to have a significant 22% relative risk reduction in mortality compared to placebo. Based on these studies, patients with left ventricular systolic dysfunction and New York Heart Association class two to four symptoms should be considered for an aldosterone antagonist. Contraindications include hyperkalemia, pregnancy, a serum creatinine greater than 2.5 milligrams per deciliter in men or greater than two milligrams per deciliter in women or a creatinine clearance less than 30 mils per minute. It is best to start the aldosterone antagonist at a low dose with titration to target doses as tolerated. For patients on a loop diuretic and or potassium supplementation, the dose of these agents may need to be decreased when starting an aldosterone antagonist. Finally, renal function and a serum potassium level should be closely followed with a basic chemistry panel checked at 72 hours, one week, and four weeks after initiation of therapy. Evidence supporting the combined use of hydralazine and nitrate in patients with HFREF comes from the AHEFT trial. This study randomized 1,050 African-American patients with New York Heart Association class three or four heart failure to the combined use of hydralazine and nitrate versus placebo for a mean of 10 months. 
Treatment with hydralazine and nitrate was associated with a significant reduction in all-cause mortality and first heart failure hospitalization, as well as an improvement in patient-reported quality of life. Accordingly, the combination of hydralazine and nitrate is indicated in African-American patients with left ventricular systolic dysfunction and New York Heart Association class 3 or 4 symptoms in spite of treatment with an ACE inhibitor or ARB, an evidence-based beta blocker, and an aldosterone antagonist. Importantly, adherence can be suboptimal because of the large number of tablets required for administration. Common adverse events include headache, dizziness, and GI complaints. And lastly, it is best to start at a low dose and titrate to target doses as tolerated. Neprilysin inhibition represents one of the newer mechanisms to treat HEFREF and is based on the fact that neprilysin normally converts a number of endogenous vasoactive peptides including natriuretic peptides, into inactive metabolites. By inhibiting the inactivation of these peptides, they are able to exert their favorable cardiovascular effects, including decreasing neurohormonal activation, as well as attenuating vascular tone, cardiac fibrosis, hypertrophy, and sodium retention. Evidence supporting the use of a neprilysin inhibitor comes from the Paradigm HF trial that randomized 8,442 patients with HEFREF and New York Heart Association class 2 to 4 symptoms to the combination of valsartan with the neprilysin inhibitor Secubitril versus Enalapril. Treatment with Secubitril valsartan, referred to as an angiotensin receptor neprilysin inhibitor, or ARNI, was associated with a significant 20% relative reduction in the rate of cardiovascular death or heart failure hospitalization. This data provides strong support for the incremental benefit of an ARNI. Accumulated data suggests that while an angiotensin receptor blocker is able to achieve an approximate 15% relative risk reduction in mortality, and an ACE inhibitor is able to achieve an approximate 18% relative risk reduction in mortality, the use of an ARNI in HEFREF provides an additional 20% relative risk reduction in mortality above and beyond that conferred by an ACE inhibitor. Based on data from the Paradigm HF trial, Secubitril valsartan is indicated for patients with chronic symptomatic class 2 to 3 HEFREF. Current guidelines further recommend its use as a replacement for an ACE inhibitor or an ARB in these individuals, even if those therapies are tolerated, to further reduce morbidity and mortality. Secubitril valsartan is dosed twice daily and should be started at the lowest dose, with up titration done as hemodynamics permit. Importantly, for those on an ACE inhibitor in whom there is a planned switch, it is extremely important that the ACE inhibitor be stopped for 36 hours before starting treatment with the ARNI. Contraindications to an ARNI include angioedema related to prior use of an ACE inhibitor or ARB, concomitant use of ACE inhibitors, and pregnancy. More recent attention has also been focused on the sympathetic nervous system and the importance of lowering heart rate. Data from several studies have shown that individuals with symptomatic HEFREF and higher heart rates face increased cardiovascular risk. In the CHARM studies, those with median heart rates in the mid-80s were noted to have a higher all-cause mortality rate and combined rate of cardiovascular death or heart failure hospitalization compared to those with lower heart rates even while on a beta blocker. Accordingly, this has prompted interest in new ways to lower heart rate beyond a beta blocker. One such medication is ivabradine, 
a selective inhibitor of the iFunny current that prolongs diastole and slows heart rate without affecting cardiac contractility. This approach was evaluated in the SHIFT trial, which randomized 6,558 patients with New York Heart Association Class 2 to 4 HEFREF, a left ventricular ejection fraction less than or equal to 35%, sinus rhythm, and a heart rate greater than or equal to 70 beats per minute to Ivabradine or placebo for a median of 23 months. Treatment with Ivabradine was associated with a significant 18% relative reduction in the rate of cardiovascular death or hospitalization for worsening heart failure. Of note, the greatest benefit was seen in patients achieving a greater than or equal to 10 beat per minute reduction in heart rate. Based on data from the SHIFT trial, Ivabradine is indicated for use in chronic symptomatic class 2 or 3 HEFREF among patients in sinus rhythm with a heart rate greater than or equal to 70 beats per minute. Given the well-proven mortality benefits of beta blocker therapy, however, it is important to initiate and uptitrate Ivabradine only after reaching the maximally tolerated dose of a beta blocker. Ivabradine is dosed twice daily and should be started at the lowest dose with uptitration as heart rate permits. Contraindications include acute decompensated heart failure, a blood pressure less than 90 over 50 millimeters of mercury, six sinus syndrome or third degree AV block, unless a pacemaker is present. It is very important to also recognize that effective management of HEFREF requires a team to ensure that guideline-directed medical therapy is provided. To this end, every patient with heart failure should have a clear, detailed, and evidence-based plan of care to ensure achievement of goals, management of comorbid conditions, timely follow-up with the healthcare team, appropriate dietary and physical activity guidance, and compliance with other preventive measures. Use of a systematic approach or checklist can represent one means to make sure that your stage C HEFREF patients are getting the care they need. Step one begins with assessment of volume status and initiation of guideline-directed medical therapy. Based on New York Heart Association class, hemodynamics, heart rhythm, renal function, the potassium level, and race, a number of evidence-based medications should be considered. In addition, device-based therapy, including an ICD, CRT, or CRTD should also be considered in eligible patients. While our guidelines provide a means to synthesize available evidence and make recommendations, large gaps unfortunately continue to exist. In the CHAMP-HF registry, as many as 26% of eligible HEFREF patients without contraindication were not being treated with an ACE inhibitor, ARB, or ARNI, 32% were not receiving an evidence-based beta blocker, and 66% were not receiving an aldosterone antagonist. In short, we have much room to improve as it relates to our use of evidence-based therapies. In summary, heart failure represents a costly, morbid condition that is growing in prevalence. Sadly, about 50% of patients with heart failure die within five years of their diagnosis. While a number of effective therapies for those with HEFREF exist, they remain underutilized. Furthermore, when they are utilized, they are often underdosed. As such, it is extremely important to titrate these therapies to the target doses shown to be effective in the clinical trials. 
Increased attention to care coordination and use of care therapies also represent effective means to improve heart failure outcomes. Thank you very much and have a great day. We thank you again for joining PrimeMed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. See you next time.